This episode is sponsored by The Alcohol Experiment, a free 30-day challenge designed to interrupt your patterns, give you control, restore your health, and put you back in touch with the version of you who doesn't need alcohol to cope, relax, or enjoy life. More than 220,000 people have already tried The Alcohol Experiment for themselves and have seen improved sleep, increased happiness, reduced anxiety, and so much more. Join thousands in this inspiring, hopeful, and exciting program where you examine your beliefs and reconnect with the best version of you without ever feeling like you're missing out. Start today for free at alcoholexperiment.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and I am the author of The Snake in Mind, and today I am answering readers' questions. I have a great question here, so timely and helpful. It says, hi, Annie. I read The Snake in Mind a few months ago, and it has been so helpful and insightful. I also downloaded The Alcohol Experiment and then have been partaking in that. Since reading your book, drinking at home during the week actually isn't even tempting for me anymore, which is crazy. That's so awesome. Congratulations. I don't miss it at all. However, I keep running to the same issue that I can't seem to get past. I'll go a week or two without drinking, and then I'll have some press event to go through, too. I'm an influencers. So my husband and I get invited to a ton of amazing restaurant openings where we're wine and dine like crazy. We also go on a lot of trips, going to an all-inclusive resort next week as part of a collab, going to Aspen for the Culinary Fest. All of these events definitely invite alcohol. And in the past, that's what I love so much about these events. Ha ha. Now I'm struggling to go to these restaurant openings or hosted dinners and not drink because the alcohol is all free, usually very high quality. And sometimes I think, okay, maybe it can just go and enjoy one glass of champagne, but I have such an all or nothing mentality with alcohol. With going to this all-inclusive resort next week, I really want to enjoy the whole experience of the resort, which I think involves enjoying a margarita on the beach, et cetera. But I also don't like what alcohol does to my brain or how it affects my thoughts, et cetera. So really I feel torn. Part of me does want to enjoy an alcohol-free life. I feel so much better when I'm not drinking. I like who I am more when I don't drink. I'm able to focus more on the people I'm with. I have a more clear head, but at the same time, I feel like part of enjoying these really cool experiences I get to partake in because of the job includes enjoying the alcohol, if that makes sense. I would love your feedback, insight, and advice. Oh my gosh, that's a great question. And I can relate to every single part of this. So on a different level, I was being wined and dined on a global scale (laughs) and being flown around the world always in business class or first class, the alcohol was always flowing freely. And I had this very clear thought that this is part of the perks. This is part of the benefit. I deserve this. And by the way, it's free. And by the way, then I'm in, you know, Tokyo with the sake. And then I'm in Brazil with the Sprianas and places where the food and the alcohol kind of went hand in hand. And this is part of the whole deal. So all of a sudden here I am and I'm newly alcohol free. And I'm thinking, how am I going to navigate this? What, what's going to happen? And what I did is what I now have kind of retroactively articulated as the act technique in the alcohol experiment. But what I did is really dig into this belief, is it true? So for instance, I was on that flight and I remember the first, okay, I'm gonna say something before I even get into this. The first time you do something alcohol-free, it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna be emotional to probably a nine or a 10. The second time you do something alcohol-free, if you approach that first situation with curiosity, without judgment, and without expectations that it's going to be great or that it's going to suck, so those three things have to be intact, the second time you go into that same event, as long as you didn't drink the first time, that intensity, that craving, that trigger goes from a nine or 10 to a two or three. It's not like it goes down a little bit. It really just drops. So the first time I was on a plane and my normal MO in business class on a plane for an overnight flight was I'm going to drink as much as possible until I just fall asleep and eat the ice cream sundae or whatever the case was. And then, you know, wake up the next morning and just kind of 
obliterate and enjoy it too. I, I thought it was really fun. It's the first time I was on a plane and I was trying this alcohol-free thing and they're bringing the wine and my whole brain is like on high alert. And I'm like, but it's free, but it's free, but this is part of it. But this is why I do what I do. Like this is part of the whole experience. This is it. And so I said, okay, but it's free. And this is part of it. And I deserve it. And I took those three thoughts and I did this just thought exercise. And I said, is it true? Is it really free? And I said, okay, it's financially free, but what is the cost? What is the cost of this free alcohol of which I speak? And I was thinking, wow, the cost is a headache for sure. I know that's going to be true. The cost of one glass is that I'm definitely going to want another or four more. The cost is that I'm 100% going to have a hangover, or at least feel a little bit out of it. And kind of that, for me, it got very lethargic, almost like there was molasses in my, my veins and I, I couldn't really move, you know, as well. And I didn't feel energetic or peppy. I knew that was going to be the cost of it. Another cost of it was that I really liked who I was becoming alcohol-free. As you say in your email, I was being more present. I was being more thoughtful. I was getting to know myself in a really different way. So I added up and I, I was like, wow, this is not free. <laughs> this is not free. And for me, the free thing was a really big deal. But then there was a whole other aspect of the first time I was in Paris and I'm sitting there at one of their nicest. I remember it was this restaurant that was circled around an open atrium. And it was all of these plants and these tiny little tables with white tablecloths and very low lighting, very beautiful, huge, probably 20, 30 foot ceilings up to this glass atrium where you could see the stars, very low light. All the sommeliers are coming to tell you all about the wine and how incredible it is. And my French colleagues that were whining and dining and entertaining me are saying, okay, we were so excited to show you this national treasure of ours, this French wine. And I'm sitting there in my head thinking, oh my gosh, wow, I'm trying not to drink right now. And so again, it was, okay, what is the belief here? What am I really missing out on? Am I missing out on this experience? And I sat back and I looked around. I actually got up and walked to the bathroom to do this sort of thought work on myself. And I remember walking to the bathroom really slowly. And I remember looking up and seeing the stars. And I remember hearing kind of the string music in the background and seeing all the candlelights and being like, is it about the experience? No, I am fully experiencing this right here, right now. And I was like, is it about the taste? And I actually went back and they poured me a little sip and I sipped it for the taste. And I really concentrated on it. I was like, does that taste worth it? Is that taste worth knowing I'm going to want two or three glasses, maybe five, maybe six? Is it worth knowing that I'm going to feel funny later and the next day? Is it worth now that I've gotten in touch with this version of myself who I just really genuinely am starting to like, starting to appreciate and remembering the version of myself where I'd wake up the next morning, wondering how much I drank, wondering what I said to who, wondering what came out of my mouth, wondering how big of a gossip I was, because that was something I really was struggling with at the time and not even wanting to look in the mirror, not even wanting to make eye contact with myself. And I'm like, no, that taste isn't worth it. You know, and I said, no, it tastes great. It's amazing. And, you know, I just had that little, little taster and I, I handed it back and we enjoyed our night and it was so freeing. And I will tell you one thing that was a nine or a 10 intensity. It took intention. It took thought work. It took me really being there. And then the next time, actually two weeks after that, I was in Brazil 
same sort of deal, except it was a completely different, it was a Brazilian steakhouse and they wanted to show me their, their national drink. And it was this type of, of hard alcohol, I forget what it was called, made out of sugar cane. And I just wanted the fruit juice, like the blended fruit juice. And it was not hard for me. It was still hard for them. They couldn't really understand it. And I remember one guy getting almost so aggressive that his colleague had to be like, hey, dude, she's just not drinking right now. It's all right, just chill. And he was just so disappointed that I wasn't going to try this. He took it as a personal, personally offended that I wasn't going to try it. But I can't fault him for that because I would have been the same way. I would have been like, well, what, are you judging me? Are you looking down on me? What, why, who are you to just not drink? We're all doing this together. What, are you too good for us? And so there was all those sorts of things. But I really had to realize, okay, how they're feeling is a reflection of what's going on in them and perhaps some discomfort that they have with their own drinking. And I actually am not responsible for how they're feeling. That was a really liberating thought for me. I'm only responsible for how I'm feeling. I'm responsible, I believe, to communicate kindly and, you know, no, no, thanks, not right now. No, I'm just not drinking. No, I just feel better these days. Or yes, I'd love, you know, an iced tea. I just need a little pick me up with some caffeine or gosh, you know, yes, I'd love a drink, but I'm super thirsty. So could I just get a water to start maybe later? And all of these different ways I started to find out how to, you know, say yes to a drink, but no to the alcohol, how to already have something in my hand, how to navigate these things. And every time it would be a 10 or 11, and then it dropped to a two or a three. It was just amazing. And the next time in emotional intensity, it would be a zero. Now the all-inclusive vacation. I remember my first all-inclusive vacation. <laughs> we were in Hawaii and normally it would have been me and about, you know, eight or nine Mai Tais at the beach. And for me, I was laying at the beach, you know, you've got that nice beachy breeze. And, uh, and by the way, I navigated all these things with, with those three things that I talked about in the beginning, curiosity without judgment. How is this going to be? I had some firm decisions in some cases, because firm decisions really take away from that. Like, am I going to, am I not going to? And so on the vacation, for instance, my, my firm decision was, I know if I start drinking day one, I'm going to drink every other day that we're there. I know that if I am, don't drink on the first few days, and if I'm totally miserable, then I can allow myself say, okay, fine. I guess alcohol is the end all be all. I guess it is the thing that makes all inclusive vacations fun. You know, if I prove that to myself, if I'm just totally miserable, then, you know, the second half of the trip or for me, I was just letting myself on the last day be like, okay, then I'm just going to try it. Because for me, I didn't want that intensity of rules. I know I'm kind of a rebel at heart. I know that if I make a rule, I just want to break the rule. But I know that if I allow myself, okay, this isn't a rule. This is an experiment. This is me seeing how it is to be in an all-inclusive vacation without drinking. I'm going to be curious without judgment, curious of my feelings, curious of my emotions, but I'm not going to have expectations either way. I'm not going to have expectations that it's going to be the end-all, be-all, most wellness-focused, beautiful vacation I've ever been on. I'm also not going to have expectations that it's going to be just totally miserable without alcohol because I know those expectations can be self-fulfilling. And so I'd go into that and I'd make myself goals that were outside of me. So, okay, day one at this, you know, uh, for instance, when I was in Brazil, I was like, okay, I already knew I wasn't drinking. I kind of had that first experience in France. And then I knew I wasn't drinking in Brazil. I'd be like, okay, so in order to get over the social awkwardness or anything else, I'm going to make it my job to have a real conversation with at least two people tonight, like a real conversation. And I'm going to be present and I'm going to ask them questions in a kind, open, listening way and really try to get to know somebody. And it's amazing that that makes you more magnetic than alcohol ever made me. It was amazing. And it also felt 
build up and pass the time. I love deep conversations. I love actually getting to know people. That was really fun for me. It was something that I could do as, you know, just sort of an entertainment, a replacement. So I wasn't sitting there like, I'm so bored. Everybody's drunk. But anyway, let's get back to kind of my final day of this vacation. We're in Hawaii. I'm sitting there, you know, I, I hadn't been drinking. But we're laying on the beach and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this and what do I really miss? And I've, I've let go a lot of my beliefs. Like I, I, we went out to karaoke. It was still fun. We did, or it wasn't karaoke. It was like one of those piano uh, live, everybody singing around a piano type deals. That was still really fun. We'd walked along the beach. That was still really fun. But here we are mid-afternoon and we are on the beach. The breeze is blowing. It is beautiful. And my husband is going to order a Mai Tai. And I'm like, you know what? There. I just was so certain that there was nothing like the taste of a Mai Tai. And I was certain it was the rum. I was like convinced. I was like, if it's, if it's just without the rum, it's going to be really, un, really sweet and it's going to be gross. And so I was like, you know what? I think I want a Mai Tai. I've, I've, I'm just going to have this experiment. I think I want a Mai Tai. But you know what I did is I said, okay, Brian, you order a normal Mai Tai. I'll order for the first one a virgin Mai Tai because I'm so convinced it's the taste. If it is the taste, I'm gonna order an normal one right after you, I'm gonna do a taste test. So he ordered the two Mai Tais. Mine was virgin, his was normal. And I did the taste test and mine tasted better. And I was like, you're kidding me right now. Mine really tastes better. It really tasted better. And it was exactly what I wanted. And so I allowed myself like just that really honest, what do I really want right now? And by the way, allowing um, that, anything could work. Now, different people work different ways. Some people do have much firmer rules and much clearer decisions. But for me, that curiosity, that really exploring, what does Annie Grace want? What do I want in this moment? What's important to me? And by the way, are these thoughts, these thoughts that, you know, it's just part of the job or, but it's so, it's so high quality, but it's free, but it's so much fun. But how am I even going to interact with, are they true? Are they really true? And looking into that and being like, huh, what if the opposite was true? Could I believe the opposite? And that was a really interesting thought process for me. So what a timely conversation as we come into the summer months and thanks so much for your question. Hey, it's Annie Grace. I want to tell you about the most important book that I never wrote. And I mean that. This is This Naked Life. It's 48 true stories of people finding freedom from alcohol. And it's so inspiring. It's our stories, as you know from this podcast, that truly change us, that revolutionize what we believe is possible for ourselves. So it's This Naked Life. You can find it on Amazon or check it out online. Even download it 100% free at nakedlifestories.com. And every single copy that you buy, all the proceeds are 100% committed to keeping the alcohol experiment forever free for anybody who needs it. So check it out. It's such an inspirational book. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.